get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saluton, estes me, Tyson Saner, welcoming you to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. It's been a while, but what can I say? Life happens. I'm still listening to soundcasts and looking for other soundcasts to listen to, so I already have some listen to for the next show. What that means, of course, is that you have a greater chance of listening to a new show two weeks from the release of this episode than you did before I made sure to get extra listening done. I'm really trying to keep making these for those of you who are nice enough to listen to us, and really, most sincerely, thank you for listening. This episode, I've got clips from Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited, Confidently Insecure with Kelsey Dara, Nothing Burger Podcast, Giamatti, 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 The Life Beyond Our Mildest Dreams, and All Things Comedy Live. I've also got a double dose of Raging Modern Will Durst's Bursted Durst segments, a reading from our 100% fake sponsor but very real website, trumpoetry.com, and executive producer Mark Urshon has been gracious enough to send along another Let's Review segment for this program, and it features content from the soundcast Minor Adventures with Topher Grace. It's a healthily portioned show, and I can't wait to serve it to you. But first, we're going to lead the program with our first burst of durst for the episode, from April 26, 2019, The Hamlet Conundrum, in which our intrepid correspondent ponders and equivocates and dawdles and can't quite come to a conclusion. Hey, guys. Will Durst here, come to talk to you today about the I-word, impeachment. All 21 Democratic nomination wannabes have themselves a major quandary. To impeach or not to impeach, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in voters' minds to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous leadership or to take arms against a sea of treason and by opposing end him. Elizabeth Warren was the first to ring the bell, saying it was our constitutional duty to bring the president to justice, and Kamala Harris immediately seconded the motion. But most candidates are following Nancy Pelosi's lead of exercising caution. Yeah, any more cautious, they'd be in reverse. When they're not changing the subject, they're licking their fingers, thrusting them into the air to see which way the wind blows. But you don't need a weatherman to tell you Donald Trump is not going down without bluster. He says he plans to fight impeachment in the courts. But see, that that's part of the problem, because impeachment doesn't work that way. House of Representatives impeaches, which is like an indictment, resulting in a trial over which the Senate presides. Aye, there's the rub. Not just every Democrat, but 20 Republican senators would have to vote to convict. And the chances of that happening are about the same as the Islamic Brotherhood scheduling a barbecue rib cook-off at a titty bar in the Vegas Strip. So it is a complicated game being played here. Risk possible backlash if they do, and annoy the base if they don't. Do they bear these ills they have, or fly to others they not know of? Especially when the slightest of slip-ups can drop you from the grown-up debate table to the kids' table. 
so we can expect calls for patience and further investigations, which will, like conscience, make cowards of us all. For some, it'll be a little quicker and easier than for others. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst. All right, first up tonight, Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited. Host Darren Staley sent along a few clips for me, and I've selected one from an episode he did with Paul Provenza. It's dated April 19th of 2019. I really feel like I should listen to the rest of the show because I'm a fan of the film The Aristocrats, which was a film made by Paul Provenza and Penn Jillette some time ago about the filthiest joke ever written. And in this clip, hosts Darren Staley and Dylan Brody discuss the TV program The Green Room. To, to me, the quintessential green room episode was Bo Burnham, Ray Romano, Mark Marin, uh, uh, Judd Apatow was there. That and was, yeah, and Gary Shandling, yes. You asked Bo to play Art is Dead. Right. First thing that happens, Romano chimes in. Oh, he's a prop, he's a prop comic. <laughs> that, that gets a big laugh. Then Bo does this beautiful piece that's just brilliant and amazing. Really and surprising, then, right? It was really surprising how rich it was, right? Yeah, it was, and it was great. And obviously, especially the people who were there, not just in the audience, but as guests, they all got it instantly and immediately. But then as soon as, soon as he stops, Marin did another perfect, ah, that was yeah. cute. Yeah, and it was, cute. It, it, it was just a, a great moment. To, to me, that kind of moment, kind of encapsulates the green room and then again you know uh, gary who had kind of already at the beginning of the episode gave Bo this kind of i don't want to say past the toilet, but he, he kind of gave him the seal of approval like you know you're you're doing it right it was just a the the, the whole totality of the moment seemed very very special to me on a lot of levels did did you did you feel that during that episode or is that episode stick no, out to I, you I, I did. It means it means a lot to me to hear that somebody else feels that way about it. Uh, yeah, no, that that was here's an interesting thing. Like, uh, what my real contribution to the show was, what my real creative streak in the show is, is the combinations that I felt like you know all these different comedians are like colors on the palette. Like, what happens if I mix these together? But um, it was all really, really thoughtful. We had to scrap entire ideas for a show, entire shows because of like, you know, one person dropped out. We're like, no, it's not the right balance. And it's not like just who's available, stick them in. Like a lot of thought went into put, putting the combinations together, like that particular show. Um, Gary, uh, it was through the help of uh, Kelly and her trusting of Kelly that mm-hmm. he came on to do that. And um, I knew right away that Judd is really, really close with him. And uh, so I asked Judd to do it. And so that made Gary nice and comfortable. Ray Romano I brought on because I thought it was really interesting to have two people who are really, well, all three of them are just, just so, so big. And then uh, I wanted Mark Marin on because Mark and I, for decades, used to sit around and whine and bitch and moan about our careers. And um, I thought it would be really, and, and now, now that he got his, you know, place in his career, uh, um, I thought it would be really interesting to put him in the context of people who are way the fuck bigger than him. 
again. And, you know, even now that he's, you know, had, had kind of exploded at the time. Uh, and, and that was really fun. And I was all set to go with that combination. But something was bothering me about it. And I had, you know, I had the, the cards up on the bulletin board. And I was like, something, I don't feel right. There's something missing. I don't know what it is. And then somebody came in, in the office and said, uh, uh, Bo Burnham is on, the, on line two, you know. And I was like, fuck, that's it. That's it. Yeah, because I had called Bo, um, you know, about putting together another show or something like that. But then I thought myself, Bo Burnham is a missing ingredient. Uh, because I know Bo. I've, I've known him since he was really young, actually. Um, I met him many years ago, and uh, I was blown away by his you know, prodigiousness. He's just so much smarter and older than one would think his age like to. He's really, really a special cat. He's really smart. He's really thoughtful. He's really soulful. He's really uh, 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 he's so intelligent. He's, he's, he's amazing. And um, I knew that Gar Gary had mentioned at one point, I think I said to him uh, something about, you know, who do you like out there, whatever. And he said, I just saw this guy on something. Uh, and I realized that he was talking about Bo Burnham. So I was like, this is fucking perfect. And uh, Bo and Judd had just, um, they'd been involved in a, a deal where Judd was going to produce a script that Bo had written or something, whatever. So I knew that they had a connection and a relationship. I knew that Mark didn't know Bo. And it would be really fun to see Mark reacting to this guy who I know is so much more brilliant than, than Mark would assume. And Ray Romano is just always funny. And, and I had also seen his documentary um, uh, done by Tom Calpidiano. Yeah, where they were on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was a section in that documentary, which I think I ran a clip of on, on the show, but that section where he was talking about how even at this point of fame and success that, you know, he still feels like a fraud, you know, and that's a whole, a whole, a whole thing. And so here we were with all of these people at different places in their careers with different dynamics of, of, in each of their positions and what have you. And I just thought that's, that's, that's fertile. And then I went off in whatever directions it went off in, but um, I felt, I felt like Bo Burnham is the, was the ingredient that made that show Works the way it works because you got all these old stalwarts, you know, older stalwarts who had made their bones for so long, and then this kid who, when you know, he came out of the gate just like a fucking star, and yeah. was criticized for not having you know paid his dues in clubs and all that sort of shit. I just, this is like this is a beautiful context right here, you know. And every one of them really, really smart. And Ray Romano is just remarkable. He's remarkable. He is so real and authentic and genuine and he's so funny and you know there's a silliness to him but at the same time it comes from like real genuine human you know condition um and, and i i know that about bo's work that, that bo he just agonizes over his work i mean he just he has a, a thought and an idea and, and a vision in all of his work you know and uh, i just thought it was a, a, a rare combination of very very active ingredients that would go to some cool places and i knew that it would be full of love now you can reach out to darren staley on twitter he is at crowbama that's capital c r o b a m a you can reach out to dylan brody at all lowercase d y l a n b r o d y paul provenza is at 
capital P-A-U-L, capital P-R-O-B-E-N-Z-A. And the show does not appear to be on Twitter, but you can use the hashtag CouchRevisited, and that should do the trick for now. I'm sure we'll get an update if the show has a Twitter account of its own. Next up, Confidently Insecure with Kelsey Dara. Listeners of Sakatash might recall a soundcast called Adult Shit, which Kelsey Dara hosted with Kate Peterman. This is her new soundcast. In the show description, it says, The podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. The clip is from the first episode of the show from April 23, 2019. The guest is Eugene Lee Yang. From those Try Guys segments that were being made for BuzzFeed before Eugene and the other Try Guys, Keith Sack and Ned, broke away from BuzzFeed and created a heavily trafficked YouTube channel of their own. In this clip, host Kelsey and her guest, Eugene, discuss self-esteem, amongst other things. It all starts with the question... Weirdest fight the Try Guys have ever had. Oh, God, the weirdest fight we've ever had. Um, You know, most of our fights are usually about work. So ah. I would not say any of them are typically weird. A lot of them are pointless yeah. because it's like over a thumbnail. That's what the other guy said. Yeah, or it's over a concept. Like we've never had an actual friend ending fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have been very fortunate. And I am always all about I was going to say, fights. right? I've cut a lot of fat in my life. That's the I used to be good. the biggest like here's some Eugene tea. I was like shy um people, people pleasing i was right. crazy people pleasing one time the first time i went to a uh, actual party was like sophomore year of high school wow yeah i'd never been to like a party only like a sleepover at a friend's place that doesn't count doesn't count right but they started playing spin the bottle <gasps> and i said hey i need to go to the bathroom and i backed out and walked out the house no and, and i walked home i was supposed to call my mom to pick me up like two hours later but i walked like three miles home that's quick. your fight or flight and you flight i i flighted <laughs> well that's it. why when you said you got anxiety i was like are you saying anxiety like the way people just use anxiety these days no or, i have because there is good anxiety legitimate... then there's like anxiety disorder exactly and i don't think i have that in a sense where it's debilitating right. but it is situational now Fine. when i was younger yeah. it was much more constant mm -hmm. and i think for me a lot of it was informed by sexuality and race mm -hmm. in my environment in texas right um so thankfully for me a lot of it was externally enforced right. mm -hmm. so it was a reactionary as opposed to me naturally like a survival way. method exactly which almost like hardened you now in a way that yep. like if it's the opposite where it is very scarring and triggering as a child and you're not dealing with it, it tends to come out yep. pretty traumatically. As but for me, I was always told ever since I was a little kid that I was like weird or ugly. You know, it was like <laughs> the classic <laughs> bullying story. But yeah. for me, then I got to have the opportunity to have a point where I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then own that and be better. Well, and you're also hot as fuck. Like, so do you <sighs> get to just like shit on? Me? Yeah, I'm get this no. is going to be an hour of me hitting on Eugene again for all You've of You've already people. done this for the past four years, Kelsey. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay? I do it to you too. You're the one guy I have no problem justifying. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I think there's, it's a double edged sword, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was really uh, sort of like, felt bullied and was very hard on myself that was interesting because when i got out of the small town um that i grew up in mm -hmm. i came to la where i thought i was going to like come out and i was going to be you know in the queer community and i was going to be um accepted at film school and accepted community. it was kind of like the same environment but just Yikes. like weirdly you went from like and i don't mean this in the correct political term but really it's like i went from a far right situation that uh -huh. was sort of incubating right. my problems to a far left problem right where it was almost like no you're not different at all you're just like me except for like you're you can only hang out with us because you're hot and mm. like you know it was this it was thing, a stereotypical four-year college I, right? I immediately became like 
the opposite of being ostracized for being Asian. I was the Asian friend for everyone. Oh, I was the the, the quote unquote attractive Asian friend for all my gay Yikes. friends. Uh. So then that made me flip from the insecure, quiet, meek kid who was trying to people please to the bitchy, closed Another off, aggressive. Tactic. Exactly. So I, I went from flight to fight. Wow. So then I joke about this sometimes. My drunk types that come out like the 10 types many of them i've tried to retire because they mm-hmm. were way more prevalent in my early to mid 20s and it was more acceptable mm-hmm. i think but now i was it's like not... fucking crazy when i got drunk i know like now i'm <laughs> fun crazy yeah, yeah but i'm you, like fun crazy you have like you have traits that you know some shit went down with you, you know what yeah, i mean I would like get i think into... a lot of people do see past you, and especially now that you've been a little bit more vocal and open about your past and your, you know, what who has made you who you are today, I think people can see like, oh, this, th- it's not necessarily an act, but you are who you are because of what has happened. To yeah, you. yeah. A lot of the sort of hardness I have in right. Try Guys, I guess, mythology mm-hmm. is from a real place. Right. It's just exacerbated because the other guys have very little hardness to them in regards to <laughs> they their... are soft pierogies. <laughs> <laughs> all of them no they're sweeties right yeah. they're like little like if you were a halloween candy bag they would be like all the candies and chocolates and i'd be yeah. like the one with the syringe in it <laughs> the one with the razor blade yeah I'd be like the apple, apple with a razor blade yeah yeah but it's i think like do you feel because i also i saw a very interesting tweet yesterday that i wasn't this wasn't part of this but it, what you were saying reminded me that like a girl was commenting about uh, this like white lady who is doing yoga and instead of dumbbells, she uses wine. And her tweet was like, when are we going to stop like pushing the white girls with no other personality traits besides being an alcoholic as funny? Uh, like alcoholism is a real issue. Why is it okay? Oh my gosh, for, she was like, directly attacking you. I well, <laughs> here's the thing is two years ago, I totally would have been like, fuck you. Like, you don't know how I grew up. You don't know what actually like is my struggle or whatever but now i feel like it's not cute to be that in the same way that i don't think you are the same way you were a lot like two years ago because it's not cute to be like mean whoever tweeted that isn't wrong the thing is no i I agree i haven't had to clarify yet explicitly (laughs) um because i've seen comments come up because i have a lot of videos where i'm Mm -hmm. proudly drinking Mm -hmm. or you know very truthfully saying i handle liquor way better than the other guys um for me to joke about it is because personally I come from a family that has a history of alcoholism and I personally went through phases Mm. where I had really bad problems with alcohol. Mm. So to joke about it now for me is very natural. Same. But for an audience member who doesn't know that history, I can see how it's like like glorifying it. Exactly. And people are like, so I understand that. And I need to be a little more judicious with the way I speak about it. But I think that's also the way I don't think it's necessarily you or me. I think it's the way that young people are now becoming sure they are sensitive but i do think they are the most intelligent like behind us that totally. thank god they're taking over but i think they're not afraid to call us out on shit that we already know is kind of gross like i, mean, we're I have like, to say one thing though is yeah. that you kind of have to give white ladies one thing right <laughs> y'all don't have much to claim no we and have nothing we're so bland. i'm gonna tell you right now the <laughs> older white women especially who do drink wine a lot yeah drink wine more than i drink anything you can reach out to the show on Twitter at ConfidentlyPod, that is C-O-N-F-I-D-E-N-T-L-Y-P-O-D. You can reach Kelsey Dara at K-E-L-S-E-Y-D-A-R-R-A-G-H. Eugene Lee Yang can be reached at capital E-U-G-E-N-E, capital L-E-E, capital Y-A-N-G. And if you're so inclined, you can reach the Try Guys on Twitter at T-R-Y-G-U-Y-S.
and confidently insecure, the show can be listened to on Podtail, Spotify, Player FM, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Next up, Nothing Burger Podcast by Eric Olson and Daniel Kaufman. The show description reads, Daniel Kaufman and Eric Olson talk comedy, science, politics, or whatever else is on their minds. The clip is from the very first episode from April 2nd of 2019. Their guest is Tom Martin. And in this episode, Tom Martin talks about his five Emmys, his time as a writer for The Simpsons, and his experience with 23andMe. This clip features material from the segment where they discuss The Simpsons. Can we talk about The Simpsons? Sure. I just went to a... Um, uh... Uh, a table read. Oh, it was really fun. Oh, those are just fun. watching. Uh, was all everyone the actors. there with all the? Actors? Everyone was there. Hank Azaria was on speakerphone. Okay. Um, but all the actors were there, and uh, it's just it's this very surreal thing to watch uh, watch them That's speak great. those lines. It was really, and it was yeah. actually a really good show. Um, you were there. Like, would, would that be the Golden Season, Age? Uh, 10, 11, 12? Yeah, I think it was. A lot of people thought it was the end of the show because they thought like, ah, oh, the the good years were season. You know, two, three, four, five, or whatever they thought it was, and but ever since the first couple seasons, they've been saying, "Oh, this is it, oh man, it sucks." Yeah. And then, in retrospect, they go back and think, "Oh, those years were pretty good." Season ten, eleven, and twelve were going to be the last years. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> uh, then they just kept renewing it successful. for three more years and yeah. three more years. Um, but oh, so you felt like when you were writing that you were kind of bringing it in for a landing. I think there was that feeling. Wrapping up loose threads. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I feel like uh, uh, they – I think that it was impossible for Fox to stop making it because it was making so much money. And then yeah. I think that everyone else realized, hey, this is a really uh, – this show's kind of running itself and making us a ton of money. What are we doing? And now I just think it's a little bit like Scooby-Doo is where they just have a – it runs itself and it has – I don't know. I think it's self rights. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of great writers on there. There's great writers. Oh man, you just as, started some fights. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that sometimes it's better to uh, end things than just yeah I, keep yeah. them going. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe that at one time uh, how outrageous they were considered and the show was. I mean, it was what South Park eventually became, mm -hmm. and now it's more like I feel like. Uh, the Muppets or something like that. Yeah. Right. Well, and then it also, uh, I feel like maybe some of the producers over there haven't really, uh, kept up with the times. I feel like society is moving past the Simpsons. I think that's accurate. I think that, and these are my friends too. And I think that they might not even disagree. The trouble is the business changed so much that all of these great writers and close friends over there, why would they leave the best gig in TV? Sure. You know, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's it's tough out there. I remember uh, Matt Selman one time. Uh, I was describing how much work I did on, on Word Girl. We would do fifty-two episodes a year, fifty-two eleven-minute episodes, and I told him what I was getting paid for it, and he was just horrified because you know <laughs> they have such an easier situation. And and when you leave that particular show and the few shows left like that, and you go out there and you got to scrap and you got to work your ass yeah. off. Why would you leave? It's brutal. You're going to do a special, Tom? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I I feel like uh, the last couple of years is, and this is a normal thing, and this is where I don't get worked up over ageism and age discrimination because I see when you've when you're on the 
end and I can see if I never work again, I'm fine. Now, as it happens, people sort of come to me and I just do whatever work falls into my lap. I don't hustle anymore and I'm very happy to be just the to move out of the business and let the new people come in. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a young person's <laughs> yeah. business, really. And I benefit from that. I think about all the – when I was a young guy and didn't know how to write and I got all these great writing jobs and these probably these old guys were probably furious. That, right. But there's something else. TV isn't about your, your knowledge of story structure and how to uh, fix uh, a, a story or an episode. It's really about how dialed you in you are with what's going on around. I mean, I, I, in these last shows I worked on and I would watch the 20 something writers and how good they were at coming up with ideas I never would have able to come up with. And so, um, they're tapped in, in ways that, uh, maybe older people aren't. And now this isn't to say that stop hiring older people. This is just what I've noticed about being young is your mindset is different. You can reach out to the show Nothingburger on Twitter at capital N-O-T-H-I-N-B-U-R-G-E-R. Guest Tom Martin can be reached at Tom Martin L-A. That is capital T-O-M, capital M-A-R-T-I-N, capital L, capital A. Eric Olson can be reached at Olson Eric, which is O-H-L-S-E-N-E-R-I-C. Daniel Kaufman can be reached at D-A-N-N-Y-K-A-U-F. And their website is nothingburger.libson.com. Now that's nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N, no G. B-U-R-G-E-R dot L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. And they do have a Patreon, which you can find by going to patreon.com forward slash capital N-O-T-H-I-N capital B-U-R-G-E-R. This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. Yes, it's TrumpPoetry.com. 100% fake sponsor, but 100% real website. This time, I've decided to include one for May 6, 2019. Number 625. Dire news obscured by fierce denial. Our future in a bleak reality. On a path to something no one wants to see. Consumption and disposal now on trial. A million species, give or take a few... Their cries are heard from forest, marsh, and ocean. But still, this grip upon a toxic potion shows clear how very little one can do. A fragile web in which all are connected, frayed to a point that's almost beyond mending. We act as if this party's never ending, while history tells us this is what's expected. Our business model praises growth unending, the price, our children's future that we're spending. And then from a little later in May, May 28, 2019, Number 603. This weekend, Trump went to Japan. Cheeseburgers and golf for our man. He watched sumo stars, spoke about trips to Mars. If he's going, that sounds like a plan. Right? Right. Let's review. Let's review. Let's review. Let's review. Hey friend, Succotash executive producer Mark Hershon here. 
And on this segment of Let's Review, I'm flashing back a couple of months to the debut epi of actor Topher Grace's new soundcast, Minor Adventures, entitled Whitney Cummings Takes a Lie Detector Test. Once upon a time, at or near the dawn of soundcasting, comedians were getting into the game, inspired by other comedians. Now it's been happening with actors. Witness Topher Grace from Black Klansman in That 70s Show, who guested on a number of soundcasts recently and urged to give it a try himself after appearing on Anna Faris's Unqualified by the Host. Recently, we saw the kickoff of Minor Adventures, with a premise that each episode will see Grace and a celebrity friend embark on a, quote, in-studio adventure, unquote, as his producer, Sim Sarna, puts it. For his maiden voyage, Grace welcomes Whitney Cummings in only to have her strapped into a lie detector and be asked a battery of quasi-embarrassing yes-or-no questions, such as, have you ever gotten mad when you didn't get recognized? Or have you ever had sex backstage at a comedy show? Or have you ever faked an orgasm? Let's review. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Yes. True. Can I ask a follow-up question? Have you ever have not, you ever not <laughs> faked an orgasm? <laughs> yes, but the, I'm, not, I'm not proud of the ratio. <laughs> Have you ever said I love you to a guy even though you did not mean it? Yeah. True. Hashtag Whitney's 20s. Yeah, I mean, me too. Yeah, I can co-opt some of these answers. But I, but if I may, if you tell someone you love them, even if you don't love them, to protect their feelings, you might love them. Well, that's deeper than we wanted to go with this Sorry. episode. Yeah, let's just stick to the yes or no this questions. This podcast yeah. called Deeper Than We Anticipated. <laughs> Let's review. Part of the fun is the no-nonsense operator of the lie detector in this episode who doesn't sound as if he ever smiles. And then there's the turnabout part of the show when the host tries to be grace under pressure and is hooked up to the machine. Most of the questions for him were submitted by his wife, it seems, and focused on whether he was annoyed by her shopping habits and whether he found her friends attractive. Oh, also, had he ever gotten a boner shooting a love scene? Their answers, true and false, are right there for us to hear. That's on the debut episode of Topher Grace's new soundcast, Minor Adventures. You can find it available anywhere fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded, including iTunes, Spotify, and the Laughable app. Let's review. Next up, this is the same word three times with an exclamation point at the end. So that's Giamatti, Giamatti, Giamatti with Sam and Dan by Dan Brenneman and Sam Calderon. Its show description reads, dedicated to the academic discussion of the acclaimed actor Paul Giamatti. Every week we move through a new piece in the Paul canon. Blessed be the Giamatti, praise be. I really enjoy the idea of this soundcast as it gives me the opportunity to look forward to certain episodes. They've already got quite a few out and... I'm definitely interested to hear what they dive into on movies like American Splendor or uh, even ones where he's only f uh, a featured player rather than the focus like John Dies at the End or um, Private Parts, which I believe they've probably already done. Anyway, this clip is from their second episode titled His Earliest Cameos, posted July 19th, 2018. And in the description, it says, we discuss Paul's earliest cameos, including his debut role as a debatably mentally handicapped stable boy. We also learned some sexy tips from the murder man in the movie Past Midnight. 
In this clip, we scrape the surface of their bigger discussion on the experience that was attempting to watch a film called She'll Take Romance, which, uh, whose cast included none other than the titular Paul Giamatti. You know, if I say the titular Paul Giamatti, it makes it sound like, the, because the title is actually She'll Take Romance, but I meant the title of the soundcast, in case you were wondering. Anyway. We'll start first. Um, with his first With his role. first role in, in his first movie, it is a TV movie, and it's called She'll Take Romance. Yeah. And if I can provide you just a brief little description of what the movie's about, because God knows I picked up none of it, because yep. it was dubbed in freaking Romanian. It was impossible to watch. It was so annoying to watch. But As let you me, said, it let causes me, his headaches. Let me tell you what it is. Jane McMillan is a Seattle TV meteorologist. Jane is assigned to host a contest to find the most romantic man in Puget Sound. The most romantic man. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend is a nice but boring judge. Didn't pick that up. No. Nope. Who spends most of his time on the sidelines. Carolyn, Jane's romance novel obsessed daughter, urges her mother to find something, someone more dynamic. Yeah. I, I just want to say, I want to shout out Wikipedia for this uh, description. God bless Wikipedia. Truly Here's the, the thing. most helpful I, yeah, I picked up nature. none of that. Yeah. The only the, what all I picked up was that she was with some shitty dude at the beginning. Yeah, and I didn't even know what the main character was because there's a redhead at the beginning that we're following. That was the previous news anchor. Okay. Oh, I see. And then and she at gets, some point you see her in the hospital, and she's like, "Well, because in the opening, she so it's a comedy movie, everybody. Yeah. In the opening, she's like on set, and there's a big moon, and she falls backwards and gets knocked out because the moon hits her in the head, and she's oh. like, oh." I and was looking like, at my phone during Actually, that. actually, I have a sound clip that actually... So we'll have some sound clips throughout this show. And um, I do have a sound clip that might help us out here. Right, here, here it is, folks. Oh, my God. Oh, bullshit. What? Oh, that was the Romanian man at the end there, was that? So that was the Romanian man at the end. Um, mm-hmm. You can hear somebody saying after she's knocked out, oh, my God. <laughs> and then the Romanian man, which I thought was really cool, tells you how to say it in Romanian. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, Borja. Oh, Borja. Oh, Borja. Oh, Borja. Oh, my God. Oh, Borja. Mm, yeah, mm. I liked it a lot. Um, he had a nice voice. I did enjoy his voice, actually. Like, if it wasn't dubbed over the English, but here's I would have enjoyed here's it. Here's what I don't understand, though. Because most movies, like, I was in Spain. I watched a lot of dub movies in Spanish. And usually, there's different voice actors who do the different parts. Okay? But this man is reading everybody's yeah. lines and he's not even changing his inflection one not bit once. he is just and he's just like oh bullshit, 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 he, it's, like it's not monotone but it's it, no, i mean nah. that's exactly kind of what it was but it, but the thing is he didn't change it whatsoever We're like no. why you thought i don't know i don't think that man had a female voice in him definitely not i don't know how he got the gig imagine but, but imagine how much funnier it'd be if he had a female voice also we need to talk about Right off the top. Yeah. The first... What should we name him? Bjork? Uh, well, actually, funny you said that. All the music in the movie was done by Yanni. <laughs> Who's that? Do you not know who Yanni is? I actually don't. Y-A-N-N-I, Yanni? No. I think he or she is a famous musician who I recognize the name of, but don't know any more details But legitimately did the, did the music. music. The there was movie. a title You're card that said music by Yanni. That's and hilarious. Yanni's like a famous... Yanni is... Yanni, um, he's a he's a Yanni's another name for um, a vagina. Really? Yeah, it's a yoga term. He's a Greek. I don't know where it came he's from. He's a Greek from. composer. Yanis Christomalis is known professionally as Yanni. Is a Greek composer, keyboardist, pianist, and music producer. 
Good for him. Well, I'm glad he got this this gig. He did, yeah, he did he okay. I didn't. I friend. didn't hear him because a Romanian man was droning over the top of it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but anyways, yeah. The first thing that he said, the only English that he speaks. Yeah. You got it ready. I have it right day? here. Ready. Okay, yeah, I love this part. Can you hear it? No. Oh. Oh, it's muted. <laughs> Guys, um, the sound clips will get better as we go. Yeah, don't worry. Shut up! Sound clips about to play. Linda Evans. <laughs> Linda Evans. As soon as that came on, I die because it's the first thing he says and it's, it's the Linda Evans. it starts with a nice a nice wide shot of puget sound puget sound i'm puget, not sure puget puget, puget sound puget sound is a, a nice wide shot of puget sound yeah from the water nice perspective and then we linda evans name just like scrolls across the screen and we have bjork come in and he says Linda Evans and oh my god I died I Linda couldn't handle Evans. it and then I'm like I'm just waiting for him to say more names and he just doesn't no he doesn't it is really disappointing and you think at that <laughs> point in the movie because when you're watching showing it, names yes, too. yes and you think at this point in the movie you're like that line was hilarious this movie's gonna be so much fun to hear in Romanian yeah and it's a goddamn nightmare. It's absolutely an nightmare. hour and a half of a man just yelling over English in a monotone voice, whatever. I don't even at some points I started to doubt he was even it wasn't just somebody like a man talking Humbling. in the background while the VHS was recording on the TV and it was just somehow dubbed over like that. It was really good sound quality though. That's the that's the I mean, thing. I did come around. It, it there are occasions like with the oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, Borsnik. Oh, Borsnik. Oh, that, and you, no, it becomes obvious that he is translating it. But for so much of it, it just sounds like someone yelling in your face, and it's just headache-inducing mm-hmm. nonsense. If you like the show, you can reach out to them on Twitter and Instagram under the same handle, which is Giamatti Podcast, and that is G-I-A-M-A-T-T-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Dan Brenneman can be reached at Daniel Brenneman, which is D-A-N-I-E-L-B-R-E-N-N-E-M-A-N. Sam Calderon does not appear to be on Twitter. And uh, Paul Giamatti might be able to be reached at the Paul Giamatti. It is capital T H E, capital P A U L, capital G I M A T T I. Now, this account was established in 2013, and as of May 25th, 2019, has not tweeted. And, um, you know, uh, comedian James Adomian does a great Paul Giamatti impression that's really funny. Uh, so, yeah, why not reach out and say hi to James Adomian, too, on Twitter at Capital J, capital A, D O M I A N. Also, Dan Brenneman has a website that uh, might be the show website, and that is at www.danbrenneman.ca, so Canada, forward slash cupboard drawer, forward slash podcast. And next up, The Life Beyond Our Mildest Dreams, also called Mildest Dreams, by Owen Bonus and John Moses. In the description, it says the Life Beyond Our Mildest Dreams podcast offers an unfiltered, funny insider's look at sobriety and its fringe culture. With host Owen half hour and comedy. This from episode 41 from September 27, 2018, with guest Joe List. Its description reads Fresh off a Netflix half hour, comedian Joe List talks to us about his sobriety and the feeling that you get is gratitude. Hmm. Meditation, Buddhism, and a sprinkling of meetings keep Joe on the spiritual highway. Listen to this insightful and really funny episode. And as always, subscribe and share. 
of course. Well, and in this clip, the trio discuss Buddhism. Um, I want to ask you about, because I know we're, we're getting close on time here, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a meditator. I, I talk about it a lot on the podcast, and uh, I have a pretty casual understanding of Buddhism. It's just this isn't, this isn't water we've waded into yet, so I'm curious. Like The one thing that jumps out at me for Buddhism is the source of suffering is attachment, right? Yes. Um, that to me is just a perfect way to, you know, dovetail into the AA philosophy of let it go. Um, like this is acceptance a good skill. Is the key. Yeah. Acceptance is the key. Is, uh, is that similar to, to how you interpreted that, those kind of principles for your sobriety? Yeah, totally. Like I said, like the, all the three things of like Buddhism, AA and therapy, which I love now as well. Which therapy also has taken me away from the rooms a little bit because it's like AA is so nice and helpful, but it's very it's essentially pretty general. Right. Then you go to therapy, like you're doing the same things, but like this is just you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like like in AA, you can't raise your hand and be like, uh, today my wife said this and it bummed me. Like it's like people are like, shut I up, mean, we're like- talking about this thing. Or you, I mean, you sure can, and it happens all the time. People, but you should. People do that, yeah, but and everyone not, else. Right, and you're not going to necessarily get a solution, you know? Yeah. You're just fucking letting out steam. Yeah, um, that's good, and, and I think actually, I think you probably should graduate to some sort of therapy, and I mean, like, the meditating. That was actually one of my other questions, what are you doing now, you know, sort of to, you know, to be of peace in mind. But, but I, I think you actually should sort of, like, reach a point where you – graduate a little bit from AA and are able to sort of scale down and be like, all right, now let's get specific, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And then what you find there at AA and therapy and in Buddhism, it's all acceptance. It's just accepting and not Mm. resisting feelings or thoughts or things that are happening to you. Like you said, it's a, it's attachment. I'm like, you have that thing of like, but I don't want to go to the dentist. (laughs) Whatever. It's like, that's where your suffering is coming from. This feeling of like, no, I like exactly this. You're like, well, Things change, and you have to accept the change. Right. The other thing with, um, and, and, I, and I do want you to, to talk about your meditation practice because I'm intrigued by it. As you as you start to, and I'm by no means, uh, you know, a, a master at this, but as you start to meditate, you learn the nature of uh, like what you're thinking about. So, like right now, I'm thinking about how I'm going to put this question to you, but that thought is going to disappear in ten seconds because that's what they do. And the same thing applies to instincts for drinking or, you know, if I'm furious with my wife, like I have an instinct to say something that's going to ruin our marriage for the next three days. Or, you know what I mean? Whereas if I can see what the fuck is going on in my head, I can resist that and make a better decision. Yeah, totally. Recognizing I, my meditation I'm doing now is with uh, Tara Brock, who's great, B-R-A-C-H. She has a podcast and she does like these kind of TED talks about Buddhism and what such and then she has a guided meditation she'll do like once a week. And I'll just go through and listen to those. And then, then once you have like those kind of skills, you understand how to do it on your own. But a lot of it is just slowing down your mind and recognizing your thoughts. And then she has this thing called RAIN, she calls it, which is like recognize, allow, investigate, nourish. So it's like you kind of have a feeling or a thought. And then you're like recognize like, oh, I'm angry or I'm bitter or I'm jealous, whatever it is. And then you allow that. You don't try to resist it or fight it. You're like, that's what I'm feeling right now. And you're supposed to feel these things. You're supposed to feel sad or mad. These are the normal things. You're a human being. And then there's the investigative, like, okay, why am I feeling this way? And then the nourishment is like, okay, 
I feel that way because of this, but you're actually doing fine. You're not actually a piece of shit or whatever it is. Right. And so like those things are really helpful. And I'll just sit. It's just good to sit with your, you know, breath. A lot of it's breath oriented because yeah. it kind of anchors you to like, I'm alive. And then she always talks about feeling your aliveness. Like you can actually, we're all alive. You can feel it like in your body. If you just take the time to do it, you're breathing and like there's stuff in motion inside of your fucking body. And uh, it's so nice. She got a, does she have an app or anything? Um, I know <laughs> there's it all. Is it YouTube? It's tarabrock.com or she has like, if you go to the podcast, it's, it's in podcast form. You just go to um, Tara Brock. I think it might just be called Tara Brock. Uh, she's got a bunch of books too. And then Thich Nhat Hanh. Jack Kornfield is another great guy too. He's like an American Buddhist. He's got a bunch of books, but I always have one of them on me at, at some point, at, at all times in my bag. And I'll just read a few excerpts and that really helps as well. And I think... I think Jack Corfield and Tara Brock are both sober also. I sort of get that implication. They kind of allude to these things. You know what? I've, I've been doing Headspace. and uh, Headspace is a good one. That's a good, that's a good one. Ten yeah, percent, is, but I feel like but I've been doing it for a long time, and I just feel like I could use a little, a little variety. So maybe I'll check out this, uh, this Brock chick. The show can be reached on Twitter at MildestDream, that is M-I-L-D-E-S-T-D-R-E-A-M, Joe List can be reached at capital J-O-E, capital L-I-S-T, capital C-O-M-E-D-Y. Owen Bonus can be reached at O-B Comedy, that is O-B-C-O-M-E-D-Y. And John Moses can be reached at capital J-O-H-N, capital M-O-S-E-S. The website is www.mildestdreams.com. And you can also go to Podbean, life beyond our mildest dreams, all one word in lowercase, dot podbean.com. And finally tonight, All Things Comedy Live with Bill Burr and Al Madrigal from the All Things Comedy Network. The show description says, All Things Comedy Podcast Network founders Bill Burr and Al Madrigal are joined by fellow comics for an unconventional hour-long show. So the clip is from episode 11 with Bobby Lee, Roy Scoville, and Gareth Reynolds, posted April 14th, 2016. Uh, It does say in the description, it's a live podcast from the belly room of the Comedy Store in Hollywood. It's hosted by Bill Burr and Al Madrigal. With uh, ATC, All Things Comedy Podcasters, Bobby Lee uh, from the Tiger Belly Podcast, Rory Scoville from Pound Cake Podcast, and Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop and Point versus Point. So yes, it was recorded Wednesday, April 13th, 2016, and this clip includes the beginning of Rory Scoville's interview segment. We're going to sit up here and talk the entire time. Let's bring up our next guest, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a, a new podcast with ATC called Pound Cake, one of my very good friends. Uh, big round of applause for Rory Scoville, ladies and gentlemen. Let yeah! Now, I hope this one works. Let's switch. And this this is not this is on now. Yeah, it's great. There you this go. one works. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? It's gone. I um I don't have any perverted porn stories. I have a daughter now and I golf a lot. So this should be a pretty adventurous conversation. No, that's good. You're someone to right? aspire to. Yeah. Guys, try Three to get to two degenerates and a couple of married guys up here. Yeah. Well, Married have, guys with the glasses, somehow not watching a lot of porn. I don't know. That computer screen. Well, no, when you I don't think you can. Nine, what's the longest you've ever gone not watching porn? If you're at nine days now, is that currently the record? Well, I never kept stats. So I would say, yeah, a couple of weeks. Mine was I go three on weeks. The road. What am I supposed to I'm fucking bored. You just do I, do, I, don't, I don't think there's any way out. I think once you're in. 
you're in for life. I think once you buy a laptop, you're like, hi, I would like a laptop so I can jerk off the rest of my life with this device. And they're like, we know. You don't have to say the whole speech. This is, this is like an anti-intervention. Hey, listen, why don't you do heroin? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have the craving forever. Just scratch the itch. Just fucking. There's so much porn, you can't see it all. You're getting out too soon. <laughs> yeah, I uh, once you have kids and they're in the other room, there's no you can't do that in the house. Like I feel weird about that. Like you have kids in oh, the God, house, you and fucking, so that just is out the window. So have you yeah. tried that? No. All right. That's what <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I know you came School. up with the word, all right, but shut the fuck up. Uh, all right. I can't take Don't it. hunch over and start yelling at people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the but guy, Al, is it worth it having children? Childhood. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah, yeah. But what is it? What's what? the magic? Well, so I really do. When I came home for the 30 minutes that I was home, uh, my kids were really upset. They were trying to crack open a coconut. It was fucking hilarious. I got to... <laughs> I get a you know the thing we all picture Al's family to be doing. <laughs> he was trying to crack open a coconut. I don't no. feed him anymore. Anyway. Um, no, my wife, they, they really... It's a, uh, <laughs> so I got a drill, and um, I, we, we put a, I we drilled a couple holes in. We threw some straws in it. Like, and it was, it's adorable. Those are probably Seriously. foster children that he doesn't feed. And he's just <laughs> collecting the check. And the... Um, <laughs> Charlie Hill, who's an old comic. From, remember Charlie? I love Charlie. Charlie Hill is an old comedian from here that we knew when we, we were first started. And uh, he grabbed me early on right when my daughter was born and said, seven, eight, nine-year-old daughter is going to be your best friend. And it really is true. So now my daughter's 10 years old, and uh, it's fantastic. It really, she plays piano. Um, and uh, <laughs> The end. I, no, no. I, it sounds anyway, fun. It sounds she fun. plays piano. I really love uh, my kids. Are hilarious. They no, I love your kids fun. too. Yeah. They're great, great kids. I met them. Yes, I like them. Yeah. Bobby came over for dinner and didn't know how One to time. do it. <laughs> he got up. He kept. Uh, we were gonna. We, he kept getting up and running, going to the other end of the table and trying to get the stuff on the other end of the table. I'm like, no, we're gonna pass it to you, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I never get invited to weddings or like people's houses. So that was like once in a lifetime thing. So I didn't know how the thing worked. So I Dude, got he, up and I grabbed potatoes on the other side. He fucking the- freaks out. If he's not in a comedy club, he fucking freaks yeah, out. Freak we out. had him over out, yeah. years ago when we had the apartment. You came over, you brought those nice bowls, those cereal bowls. We still, <laughs> still have them. And no matter what we did, he could not get comfortable. Yeah, yeah. He gave us all these gifts. He was kind of just, just yeah. being all shifty in this little one-bedroom apartment. It's like, will you fucking sit down? <laughs> Freaking out my dog. Yeah, my dog's yeah. like, what's with this dude's energy? I don't like yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't like yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> And then for some reason, I got you Old Boy, the Korean movie. I'm like, here, here's a gift. <laughs> the most fucked up movie ever made. Here we go. What, what, one of the great fight scenes of all, that oh, tracking scene Oh, my the God. Hall? If you haven't seen oh, Old Boy, geez. the Korean version, that, that hallway scene is the best Didn't scene Spike ever. Didn't Spike Lee remake that? Yeah. Did, did, he ma- it? did he make it? Yeah, he did. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, um, Josh Brolin played the guy. I love Josh Brolin. I do, too. He's very likable. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I refused. I refused to watch that. And I also refused to watch Black Annie. Fuck that shit. You have to stand for something. Not because she's black. Not because she's black. <laughs> not because she's black. But Annie is again. a redheaded uh, white. I know. You know. You know what I'm saying. You shouldn't remake classics. 
<laughs> not because she's like, not because she's black, because they already got it perfect. Yeah. 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 Why so, make two perfects? Yeah. Note to self: Stop writing Mexican Annie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can reach All Things Comedy on Twitter at. All Things Comedy, A-L-L-T-H-I-N-G-S-C-O-M-E-D-Y. Bill Burke and Breached at B-I-L-L-B-O-R-R on Twitter. Al Madrigal at A-L-M-A-D-R-I-G-A-L. Bobby Lee at B-O-B-B-Y-L-E-E-L-I-V-E. That's Bobby Lee Live. Rory Scovel at R-O-R-Y-S-C-O-V-E-L. And Gareth Reynolds at Reynolds Gareth, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S-G-A-R-E-T-H. And the website is allthingscomedy.com. Now, uh, you may have noticed that this clip was a little bit on the uh, in the past side. It's yes, uh, April of 2016. Uh, that is more than three years. And to this date, uh, that is the final episode in the feed of that. So I do not know if there are going to be more episodes coming. Um, but if you, again, if you do like it, you know, poke them on Twitter. Yeah. Because I don't have any insider information. Somebody does. Anyway. All right. And as we close out this program, we end with our second burst of durst for the episode from May 3rd, 2019 impeachment startup in which our intrepid correspondent offers up a modest and timely proposal. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words for all those folks who kept saying they couldn't get any weirder. Well, this is on you. Haven't we learned to never taunt the gods? Who would have thunk the new man in charge of the Justice Department could establish a world record for shameless obsequiousness so quickly? Appearing in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Donald Trump's hand-picked Attorney General, William Barr, proved to be such a presidential lapdog, he should be recognized by the American Kennel Club as the 194th breed. The man managed to annoy Hollywood press agents by creating a new level of groveling. But this new breed of toady obviously isn't housebroken as he refused to appear in front of the junior chamber's version of a judiciary committee, objecting to committee staff lawyers interrogating him. Answering questions of Congress members, now that's one thing, but actual lawyers, (laughs) that's another. Some of those people are smart. He also pretended he couldn't remember if the White House ever asked or suggested that the Justice Department investigate somebody. You know, like an Oval Office enemy, pretty much half the world. He pulled the page from the Bill Clinton playbook, saying he was confused by the word suggest. He seems perplexed by quite a few words, like truth, justice, and the American way. Barr effectively created a new Catch-22, intimating that the president cannot commit a crime, so he can't be subject to a criminal investigation. Usarian would be so proud. Now, calls for the attorney general to resign, or threats to impeach him, are competing with the president's sticky situation. What the hell? Throw Mike Pence in there as well. Get some Silicon Valley venture capitalist to fund an impeachment startup. As Hunter S. Thompson once said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. You can reach out to Will Durst on Twitter at W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. You can go to willdurst.com to find the Will Durst Journal, which is comedy for people who read or know someone who does. You can also find him on Facebook. Right? Right. Whew, that was a whole lot of show. I hope you found some of it entertaining. 
If you enjoyed any of the content in any of those clips and you're looking to say something nice to someone, you may have noticed that a great many soundcasters and podcasters are on Twitter, which makes it very easy and convenient to reach out to them. Many of them are actually pretty receptive to positive feedback, although I imagine many would also be fairly surprised, not because they don't deserve the praise, but because, I don't know if you noticed this, but people can be pretty darn negative with their comments to each other on Twitter. Who knows, maybe we can get kindness trending. One last thing. If you do reach out to any of the folks featured here on Twitter, why not tell them you heard them on Socratash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast? If you'd like to include the show's Twitter handle so we know that you've tweeted at them, it's at Socratash Show. That's S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-S-H-O-W. And please, be sure to use the hashtag PassTheSuckatash, because hashtags are fun to use. So, for Suckatash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast, I've been your host, Tyson Sainer. I'm signing off, and once again, gently imploring you to please... Pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> the Laughable App. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSainer at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212 you can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at itail.com slash you slash succotash production of succotash is overseen by joe paulino through the auspices of studio p sausalito hosted by tyson sainer our executive producer is mark hershon our musical director is scott carvey our booth assistant is kenny durges until next time i'm your loyal booth announcer bill haywatt reminding you to please pass the succotash goodbye <laughs>